0: Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. This show's mission is to give you the knowledge, tools, and power to achieve success where where you're starting a small business or you already have one. I'm Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunholder. Each week, we'll be talking
1: business, small business, drawing on our collective experience of having owned and operated 20 small companies and coached and advised for hundreds more. Dirty Secrets of Small Business will debunk common myths of business ownership, expose the impact of government regulation, share small business success stories, and reveal the dirty secrets of small
0: business. Hmm, okay. In today's show, we're going to be focusing on four areas. One is common myths of small business ownership. We're going to debunk some of those myths. There's going to be the Dirty Secret of the Week. We're going to have a how-come segment in which i'm going to ponder the world and start a question with how come and we're going to talk about that and then small business success stories from the mvp annals of success and we have many of them and adam's going to share one of those many talk about our seven keys and many of the the things that that basically uh make our coaching very, very successful with small business owners.
1: That's right, Jack. We're doing all these things to try to help you, our listeners. Uh, You small business owners out there, and small, we talk about anywhere from 1 to 25 employees. That's for the folks we tend to help out uh, quite a bit with our coaching practice here at Maximum Value Partners. And we're looking to help you out with giving some good advice and guidance on things that are out there. As well as, like you said, sharing some of the success stories we've had in our nearly 15 years together, coaching small companies to help you do that. So if you have questions, in the meantime, you can reach out to us. One of the best ways to get a hold of us is via email, too, besides calling here. Uh, Our email address is radio at MaximumVP.com. So you want to email us, that would be great.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, most business owners are stuck in a state of how. Do you know that? All you small business owners out there? Stuck in a state of How? How do I make a profit plan? How do I present my company to the bank and other interested parties? How do I create a marketing plan? Do I even know what a marketing plan is? How do I find good people? The list of how questions, honestly, is endless. We're Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches. We help small business owners get unstuck from that state of how.
1: So if you are stuck and wondering how to get out of something, and start listening to yourself. We use that word how all the time. People kind of wryly smile at us. And uh, you'll be amazed as an owner how often you start with that question. You'll start with a sentence with how. Hey, how do I do that again? So if, you're, if you find yourself doing that or catch yourself doing that, you'll probably smile now that you're thinking about it. But feel free to reach out and give us a call. You can get a hold of us anytime, day or night at 877-849-0670. That's 877-849-0670. And you can always check us out at our website at MaximumVP.com to learn more about what we're talking about here and the ways we would like to approach the world to help small business owners. So our first segment today is going to be debunking a common myth. And this one is, I know it's ever so popular out there, and we're here to tell you it's just not true, folks. And that is, the myth is that being an entrepreneur is something that you're born with, and it can't be learned. What a bunch of hokey... Bunch of hooey. hooey. Bunch of what else? What
0: else can we call it?
1: <laughs> Can't call it too much here on the radio else we get fined for these kind of things, but it's a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. yeah it's it's just, stuff. it's just not true. It's, it's used as a crutch or as a, as a way to uh, have people keep you from doing what you're trying to do. If you're trying to, to run or start or buy a business, people often said, hey, you don't have what it takes, Jack. You weren't born with an entrepreneurial gene. And we're going to say that's not the case. Because they're thinking about you know, there's a lot of examples in pop culture of folks like the Steve Jobs of the world, or the the Bill Gates, or the or the uh, the Donald Trumps of the world, the folks who who have a certain it factor about them. That hey, if I'm not like them, I can't be an entrepreneur. I can't be a business owner and run and run something successfully.
0: So they don't even start. Right. That's right. They don't even. You know, there's so much non-support. Yet this is probably the biggest dream right now in America to own your own business, and it, it surpassed, from articles I've been reading over the last year, it surpassed home ownership as being the number one dream in the country. Absolutely. You know, as we usually like to do, I, I looked up the word entrepreneur, and I, I kind of uh, focused on one one simple little, there's lots of definitions, actually, but uh, this is a Wikipedia version of, of an answer here. Okay. An entrepreneur is a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. So that's an entrepreneur in that 30,000-foot view, at least, some of the more salient points, that that, uh, initiative and risk. That's what an entrepreneur is. So can that be learned? Can't be learned out.
1: Yeah, I think we we talked and we debunked that one myth there, Jack, in terms of the risk taking months ago on the show. Um, you can listen to our old podcast to see that one, but uh, or hear that one. The idea we always talk about too, and those loyal listeners to our show will, will will know they've heard this before, as well as our our clients and those who know us well. We try to talk about job versus entrepreneurial kind of mindset or people. Boy, right? that's so a big two deal. Camps.
0: That's a big deal. Job will get in the way of an entrepreneur every time. So folks who
1: take initiative, that's, that's the one part of the definition you're talking about there, Jack, that I want to focus on here. Folks who take initiative to us are really more of those entrepreneurial and, you know, and owner mindsets versus the, the, the job folks. The job folks are the ones who wait to be told exactly what to do versus, hey, here's an issue, here's a problem, and I don't have a solution to it. Why don't you figure it out? And to take some initiative, to bring some new ideas to the table. So chances are, if, if that's you, and you know, if you're working for somebody else and you have that kind of initiative, you probably have what it takes to be an owner. Now, that's right. that...
0: an owner, over the weekend, a job person is going to indulge themselves in whatever they're indulging. could be good or bad, but they aren't thinking about the business, really. It's maybe an afterthought. The owner of that business, the entrepreneur, Going to, it's gonna. It's. There's gonna be ideas coming all over the weekend to hear her, and and basically on on problems and solutions, uh, things he wants to try out relative to the business. That's a big, big part of it. It captures you, right?
1: Yeah. Chances are, if you are if you're taking a lot of those kind of initiatives, you don't have to be the owner to do that. You have what it takes, and you become a very valued employee. So many owners want to hold on to those people, and again, so it's not not for everybody. But again, it's it it's, and can certainly be learned. You know, there's certain skills that we talk about. That's where our seven keys come in to be able to teach people how to to kind of do this. And I had an experience years ago. I, I, I'm pretty actively involved with it with a with a nonprofit called Junior Achievement, and that's where they take business people and bring them into the classroom. Everything from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And the idea is to expose the, you know, the students to something other than just what they, what they normally would have you know, during class. And it may be a four or six or eight week, you know, once a week kind of thing. And probably about six, seven years ago, I was involved with some high school students. And the program that that junior achievement was putting on that, that I was leading had to do with them having to start a business and close it down within six weeks.
0: Cool. So That's start from nice. scratch,
1: right? Great, great learning experience. And what came to mind for me, Jack, during that experience was uh, there were so many, you know, young students are in there who had never been exposed to the idea of being able to own their own thing, and to watch them grow and flourish during during that you know that very short two month time frame, and to, uh, the culmination of this whole thing was they had to present to a panel against and competed against four other schools. To see who was going to win in terms of presenting their company, sounds pretty exciting and, and uh, fun for sure. What was interesting was the the couple days before that final presentation, is we had the kids in class and they were presenting and they were bickering at each other about, hey, you know, this person you know didn't do this, and out of the twenty seven students in this class, there's only six of us that did this or that, and a lot of the same things that we see in the real world, the business, right, in terms right. of who's doing what and where. And I said, I said, do you honestly think that the judges care about what went wrong versus explain to them what you know, what you guys did how how you guys did it and did it well? And I was like a proud father. I had goosebumps. I almost said, you know, I, I as Misty, I'd watch them present when they presented, <laughs> how different they, they'd presented just a couple of days later. And they
0: went up winning the darn thing. Oh, that's good. I don't remember that story. And or maybe it, you told me, but I don't And it, it,
1: to me, it was amazing to see. But it, to me, it, what, the light bulb went off for me was that a lot of these folks had, had been told their entire life that that wasn't even a possibility. And you know, I was blessed to grow up with an entrepreneur. And so that was always on my mind. I, I had caddied for a bunch of entrepreneurs. But many folks aren't exposed to that. Their, 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 their parents, or their friends, or relatives aren't business owners. They aren't in a job maybe growing up. Maybe, maybe they're just working at you know, at a place where, where it's not an entrepreneurial environment. So they don't, the, the idea,
0: the seed's not even planted that, hey, you could be a business owner. You could be a business owner. I think, I think by breaking out categories, maybe three types. I'll, I'll use three types here. Three types of entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, kind of sheds a little light on, on this question, basically, is can, you know, are, are you born with or can it be learned to be an entrepreneur? First of all, there's a first, first uh, breakdown, if you will, and it would be small companies, very small. Smaller, it could be part of our range. And in fact, it would be, actually. But things like running a, a single franchise, Subway, or a pizza shop, Definitely, something like that can be started and learned. And as you move up the ladder to a million dollars, that seems to be a, a stopping point for so many companies or so many entrepreneurs because of the the complexities that come with that. But that's still within the range of most entrepreneurial people. You know, to learn, they can learn those those types of companies and prosper. The third one might be a global company. Now. That can be learned, too, but it doesn't happen at the pace and confidence that a pizza shop would be, for example. So you start to weed out the ability to learn versus born with. Now, if you're born with a swashbuckling worldwide attitude, uh, chances are you'll be okay for global. You know, you'll be okay for anything. You'll quickly advance from a small one to a big one. But many people can't make that jump for a variety of reasons. I think that's almost how you have to look at it.
1: Yeah, I think more so certain people are certainly more open to it, and they're, they're open to learning this stuff. But again, what we want to debunk here is that you, don't necessarily, you aren't born with, a, with an entrepreneurial gene. You can learn these skills in order to be successful. So don't don't let that seed plant in your brain. And if it has, you know, make sure you dig it out. And if anybody tells you that, tell them they're absolutely crazy that yeah, you can actually learn this stuff. You don't have to be born with it. And if you're thinking about starting a company or buying another company, or if you're thinking about giving up in the company that you are running, don't do it. you got to learn these skills. And that's where our seven keys are kind of geared towards helping. We've helped lots of clients do that. We've developed a lot of our clients who are very, very bright people, very good at learning stuff, They've never been taught these skills. And it's amazing how it's changed their lives tremendously to make their world much, much more fulfilled and keeping their companies going. So... Stick around. When we come back. We're going to be revealing our dirty secret of the week. I'm Adam Sunhalter,
0: and I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches. We can help you get unstuck. Give us a call. You know, we we have answers that are available to your problems. There's no question.
1: Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter.
0: And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches who help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. don't you wrestle with all those how questions on your own? We can help. We love helping small business owners get unstuck, and we've had a great, great track record of success.
1: Yeah, we're we're constantly amazed, and we always laugh. And uh, folks we meet, they they wonder why we're snickering sometimes when they they'll be talking to us. And, and within a matter of about ten sentences, they mention the word "how" like five six times. How do I do this? I can't figure how I was doing that. I was trying to find okay, and it, how 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 keeps coming up. That's how we developed and evolved into that piece. That explains very well what, what we do. We help them get unstuck from those states of how all those how questions that that, that owners often have when it comes to running their business.
0: All you're right. probably, uh, you probably you, business owners out there now, you small business owners, you probably have at least 15 to 20 how questions uh, right now you're mulling with in, in your morning. And you'll probably get another 10 this afternoon. So right. put give a big, us a call.
1: Put a big how with a question mark after. Put it on your whiteboard you got in your office or you got flip charts in your office. Just put that up there. I guarantee you, you can do, you'll, you'll be able to list them out throughout the course of the day. All right, so we help them. We help owners get unstuck in that state of how, and we can be reached any time at 877-849-0670. You can email us at radio at maximumvp.com. That's an email just for our loyal listeners here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And you can check us out, find out more about us here on our website at maximumvp.com. All right, so we're at the point in our show now. Where we're going to reveal our dirty secret of the week, and we know, we know that this one is near and dear to the hearts of every small business owner out there. Every one of you can relate to this.
0: Absolutely, All absolutely. Right. When yes, I won't, I won't even start All to right. qualify. So here's
1: here's our dirty secret this week, folks. Most small businesses are really banks. Most small businesses are really banks
0: banks like big financial juggernauts that's what they Not are quite.
1: yeah right so here's what happens and so we, and it's unregulated right you know, all the regulations are gone with banks what do i mean by this well take a look at your accounts receivable that's on your balance sheet folks accounts receivable most of you know you know where it is any of it old or bad what's old adam what would be old typically anything beyond 30 days maybe 60 days but certainly anything beyond whatever the normal terms of payment are going to be, whether it be your normal terms of payment that you receive from, from, from customers or that if you're dealing with some bigger customers, they often have their own terms of payment, right? Maybe it's 45 or 60 or 90 days.
0: Yeah, you send in a, an agreement, everything's signed off on, and they impose their policy on you, which is never favorable to you, ever.
1: It never fails. We have a lot of clients that are going through, again, whether they're going through some great growth, whether they've been kind of maybe struggling a little bit or kind of bumping along. It never fails that when they're going through growth, they'll often ask us, say, hey, you know, where's all the money? I see it we're growing, riding customers, things are going going pretty well, but where's all the money? Because they're paying, their employees they are paying for stuff, and all of a sudden, they've now got their receivables building and building and building. And so, again, it's one of those dirty secrets that nobody really tells you about when you get involved in businesses, that you're going to be a bank.
0: The conversation kind of goes like this. I've been profitable all year, actually last year, too, but I don't have any cash. Oh, wait a minute. Do you know how to read your financial statements? That's a prior segment uh, that we talked about. Uh, uh, They'll say yes with a a long pause, but they really don't because if they look at their balance sheet, they can see all those profits, all the cash coming from those profits being tied up in receivables or inventory or some other asset, it's a very very simple process. Very simple.
1: All right, but so uh, part of the message we want to we want to deliver today is the idea of thinking of yourself as a bank. I don't think most of you owners think of yourselves as banks. And you, know, you think about going into a bank, you have a nice application you got to fill out. They're doing a credit back credit check, background check kind on of it, stuff like that, to see if you're worthy of their credit. How many of you out there and listen to the audience do that where you you'll actually have a credit check on somebody—you'll have you'll, you'll do background. You request financials from from your from from your potential customers to, in order to make sure that they are a good credit risk for well, you, versus see. just giving
0: them credit. Let me, let me give an unscientific uh, answer to that. Okay, how many people do a, a thorough credit check or even a, a half thorough credit check? I'd probably say between five and eight percent, maybe.
1: Okay, I was thinking one and ten. So, yeah. are, are, are very unscientific <laughs> because we have a lot of similar experiences. As you can imagine are, are pretty are pretty close. So here you are, not doing any kind of checks, you're kind of giving out credit to about everybody who comes in, because, hey, we're so excited about getting a new customer on board that we'll give them just about anything, as we we'll bring them on board, assuming that they're going to be good folks and they intend to pay their bills, which most people do, but that they're going to pay it and pay it on time.
0: So, Well, well where, where so many of them run into problems are with big companies, they... They're striving to get a big organization, a Fortune 100 company who's in the area or whatever it might be. And finally that day comes. And shortly after that, especially when it comes time to collect, all of a sudden the nightmares start. And they A, they aren't good at collecting accounts receivable. Most small business owners aren't good at collecting receivables anyway. They don't like to talk about that. They feel they're imposing on their clients they're going to piss them off that if they ask for a payment which is rightfully theirs and now it's 90 days past due. And they can get pumped up after a while but they don't start the process early. So to Adam's point, this, is, this becomes a bank. This little business right here, hey, I owe you 1000 bucks. I owe you $10,000 and I'm not going to pay you. It's an interest-free loan. I, I may pay you someday here down the line, and we'll haggle, and then you'll capitulate to say, well, we finally got paid, it's 90, 120 days late, and you're going to keep still giving me credit so I can repeat the process again. People get worn down and beaten down, small business owners, by the collection process, and they shouldn't.
1: It becomes tough. We had, we had a, a client who a, was who's a newer client that engaged with us, and uh we started getting to the point where we're going through his numbers a bit and we're looking at his his, his balance sheet and his accounts receivable and we we asked, hey, you know, do you have an aging for these things? And we started looking at it. He hadn't looked at it in a little while and realized the idea, everybody's pretty good except for one client. And actually, the one client was kind of had two clients that were related to each other, but one was really kind of a bigger problem where this uh, client of theirs was involved in the oil and gas industry and fracking uh, here in the in the Ohio area, which has had a tough last 12 months or so. And so what happened was this client was about six months out in terms of since yeah you know, this is the way this, this the client of ours works is it's a month to month engagement and uh, and uh, they are paid a monthly fee every month and this client of theirs hadn't paid him in six months and so it was a pretty substantial amount of money I think they owed him close to forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars and he wasn't really aware of the problem until really recently so at this point he's already it's like being half pregnant right you're already you're, you're in there and he said well like he said for us to continue offering the services that we offer. There are not a lot of out-of-pocket expenses for us. So, again, if, if this client is becoming a paying problem for us, goes away. We aren't going to necessarily save a lot of money in them going away. If I do that, you know, how do I go after them? And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm totally you know, changing things. All of a sudden my reputation in the in the local area is not going to be as good as it, was, it had been if I really go after this guy pretty hard, to your point, Jack. How do I kind of do this versus – so here he is making the case – for just kind of sticking it out This guy wants to pay his bills He's returning phone calls he's Not a way he, 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 he wants to do well But it's just not going to happen for a little bit of time So he's now in a, you know, the precarious position of saying Okay, well I've got to just keep waiting Because it's a big enough sum of money That you don't want to, to, to lose it You don't want to pay a bunch of attorneys To, to, to have to pay them to try to collect it And you, don't want, to, you know, they don't want to hurt your reputation So you're almost kind of at a point where you can't do anything So he's, he's now a bank He's got a bank. He's lent forty thousand bucks to somebody.
0: That's right. You no know, I don't understand. Do you think there's anybody out there, Adam, who uh, has similar or at least collection problems? <laughs> <laughs> I know they do. I, I, they I, do, and they're afraid of it. They're yeah. they're often afraid of, of acting on that and staying ahead of it. Where when you stay ahead of it, good things happen. And I'm not just talking about getting your bills paid on time. A relationship develops, one of mutual respect, opportunities. You you. You create an environment and a relationship that is is very positive by just staying on top of your receivables. It's okay. It's money that you're... you're do for services and or products rendered and it's okay to ask for your money on time
1: yes it is so start thinking of yourself as being a bank and i think it will help you a lot and help to reduce some of your frustration so stick around we come back we're going to go to the how come portion of our show i'm adam sonhalter
0: and i'm jack mancini with maximum value partners we're business coaches we can help you get unstuck from all those how questions in your business and we know you got a lot of them
1: Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small
0: Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP, Most Valuable Player. We're business coaches who help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. Don't wrestle with all those how questions on your own. We can help. I know you got a bunch of them. They They come at you all the time. You know, we love helping small business owners, and, and uh, we do a good job of it. And basically, we'd love to help you with those how questions.
1: And if one of the how questions is going about your mind is, how do I get an MVP to be part of my business, or how do I become the MVP of my business? Great question. We've got the answer for you. Why don't you give us a call at 877-849-0670. You can email us at radio at maximumvp.com or check us out online at, at uh, maximumvp.com to learn more about us and what we're doing. We're also on Facebook these days too. We're getting we're getting uh, out there on social media and we can we can engage with you down there as well. So feel free to reach out to us. We're coming to the point of our show which is becoming a fan favorite. I, I, if I look back at the, the, the comments I get week to week from, from folks who are listening, um, quite often they'll feedback one of these how questions that, that that Jack has in terms of how come, how come this, how come that. And it's, as he's pondering the world and things around us, he's going to ask that kind of question of how come, and I'm, I'm curious to see what's on Jack's mind this week.
0: How come? All right. Well, I was pondering over the weekend, as I usually do, and... Boy, there's so many, so many of these pondering how-come questions. But one hit me. One hit me real quick, as it usually does. Usually I end up with a couple, but I'm going to give a couple today. The first one that hit me. And I, my mind goes in different places, obviously. <laughs> so how come Donald Duck wears a towel when he comes out of the shower? When he doesn't usually wear any pants at all. <laughs>
1: He usually wears, a, usually wears a, a vest or a shirt, doesn't he? he yeah, no sometimes, sometimes.
0: Yeah. Sometimes he goes bare butt naked, too. Right. But why does he wear a towel under modesty? I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer for that one. I don't know if I can get one. All right. Okay, so that was the Donald Duck one. And uh, there's another one. There's another one that's uh, a little deeper than that. And this is, how come, if we learn from our mistakes... Okay, if we learn from our mistakes, why why are people so afraid to make a mistake if we learn from them? So that gets pretty deep and this I, I pulled off uh, a blogger, Lisbeth, L I S B E T H, Saunders, Medlock. She had a whole bunch of things on there that I thought were pretty interesting. And that was one. We learn from our mistakes, but why are we always so afraid to make a mistake? Because it hurts. Well, there was, uh, she. She went on a little bit. No, the one one sentence I thought was pretty informative. Mistakes derive meaning. They derive meaning only by comparison to what we basically desire and what we see as success. So, what we see, okay, by comparison, that's where uh, a mistake has meaning. Otherwise, it doesn't have any meaning. Who cares? So what I consider important, basically and desirable, and definitive of success, anything moving along that track, that doesn't go as planned by because of my own uh, misgivings here, that's going to be a mistake and that's going to be a problem. Makes perfect sense. Never thought of it like that, but in effect, that's what it is. So what else is a mistake? Someone else's meaning? Probably, you know, you define something else. That's that's. Uh, desirous and and success i may or may not buy into it but if i have a job which is a bad word for us i have to you know i will be criticized for making a mistake relative to that goal does that make sense to you
1: yeah i think it depends on people's styles too we 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 mention often during our during our well during our our daily lives but also here on the radio we talk about disc the behavior assessment disc depending on people's styles some people are more apt to make mistakes and just push things along where others are not so those d's especially and even the i's aren't, aren't too afraid of mistakes but those s's and c's those more reserved folks who are you know these are the folks in your world who always get accused of being right because chances are when they do speak up they've thought about something quite a bit a or while, they've had or they or they've had some experiences that, 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 that they feel pretty good about that that they tend to be right usually and I know you know, being one of those styles myself, that's usually what happens. My, my 13-year-old son loves to catch me when I'm wrong because it doesn't happen very often. Oh, wait, what time is it? What day is it? Hey, you know, dad's wrong about something, right?
0: Yeah, you're pretty good at that. You, usually don't, you, know, you don't make any mistakes because you're slow on the draw. <laughs> right. That's right, and that, that's a big, big deal. And, you know, this uh, Elizabeth went on to, to cite reasons that mistakes can be beneficial. And I thought this was pretty cool, too. Uh, one of them is that it inspires others it can be used to inspire others <coughs> excuse me in other words we all make mistakes you know it 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 allows us a mistake allows us to accept that we're flawed and you've seen people who cannot cannot accept that but somebody who does you know god i make this mistake and and you know you you may or may not apologize for it depending on its impact or you might say you're, you're trying to inspire the group here to, to uh, say all the great things you've done. And they'll be moving along with you. But what really sort of slams it home is, you know, out of these 40 things that I've done, I did make a mistake here. Or I made some other mistakes. People will lean in and wait to hear what you have oh, to yeah. say. <laughs> they, they're they're going to be inspired by that. You know, I can't do everything flawlessly. I can't be Perfect. Well,
1: you think about some of the some of the better stories that happen, right? Whether it be with you, with your with some of your buddies, and they're busting your butt about stuff. Usually, it's about the times you screwed stuff up, right? I know. And again, as a as a relatively new parent with a, with a teenager and that, my parents can't wait to, to share all the stories. Well, do you remember? You, did you know your dad did this or your dad did that? You know, they they got all kinds. They got a whole war chest of stories about screwing stuff up that, that kids can't wait to hear. But tell us more. Tell them any more stories about when mom and dad did this, right? It, so,
0: it it humanizes it sure. very much. So you know, versus here's somebody who never makes mistakes. Holy crap! I mean, eventually you stop talking to that person. It's too intimidating. Even going to advice, it, it you you can't as a human relate because we all make mistakes. Now we're embarrassed when we make mistakes. Then and, and if you're you're using mistakes to help grow, that embarrassment is gonna be again another positive outcome. Rather than get mad, go into a hole, like we like to say, people get into snits. That's a little brattiness uh, approach. Men and women and kids do it, but mostly adults, it seems. Kids do it a little bit, but nobody pays attention to them too much. Right. But when an adult gets into a snit, why? Well, they've been wronged by somewhere. There's been a maybe if they made a mistake and they aren't owning up to it. It, it also allows uh, you to be truthful to yourself and helps you clarify what you're looking for in life. I mean, it's pretty deep stuff. I thought you did a pretty good job good. Of, of condensing well,
1: let me, it. Let me ask you this, Jack. How do you, because mm. this is something I wrestle with, so how do you make more mistakes on purpose? Because I, I, you and I have talked about this. Right, said, you you got to screw stuff up more often or, or, or make mistakes, and, and it's so counterintuitive to me that I want to screw up on purpose. It's, it's like losing to my kids in a sport. I, I can't. I can't lose on purpose. You know, whether it be a board game, I, I, I'm always trying to win stuff. So,
0: Boy, that's a how great you, question. You how know? do you make
1: mistakes on purpose? That's, that's my how question for today. How do you make mistakes on purpose? Or, I think, I think, you know, while, you're, while you're pondering that a little, I think you're, what you're saying is don't be afraid of making those mistakes as far as a reason not to keep pushing
0: that's forward with stuff, right? That's how you get better, okay. you know? Uh, like practice makes perfect. Well, what does that mean? Well, you keep going out, chances are when you're practicing, you're going to be making a lot of mistakes. All right. And if you quit, you quit. If you keep going, that's another, another, another wedge here using a golf metaphor, maybe practice makes perfect, but no, that's another, another reason that mistakes can help you. You know, it forces you to, to not forces, that's probably the wrong word, but it It makes you, put you in an environment that you're going to keep trying to achieve. And by God, after a while, you've achieved it. You've gotten to a level of acceptance in your own, by your own standards, and maybe outside standards that qualify you as an expert, as a champion, as, you know. That's how mistakes can be, be very helpful, and they are very helpful. That's why I think the better the better advice is, okay, you know, I accept as the boss, I'm going to accept people making mistakes. It tells me that they're they're working, they're trying hard, for the most part, unless they're real well, doofos. If they're a doofo, <laughs> no, maybe I'm not going to fire them. But, well, so that's where, the, that, that's where the pressure comes from. Well, if it's working towards the goal, that's
1: the thing. I guess, you know, part of the, the reason why maybe you're afraid of making some mistakes is you're afraid it's going to take you off the goal you're trying to achieve or help you not, maybe you won't be able to get to that. But... I've come to realize, and I'm pretty analytical, as you know. I've realized, hey, it's it's rare that you have you have fatal mistakes that that come up. They're often they're often small bumps along the road, usually, right? Or it's part of that process, part of the the learning process, so to speak. So you don't have to be afraid of making that fatal mistake. Usually, once in a while, that happens, but it's it's more rare there's fatal mistakes. That's true for our, for, for, for 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 business owner as well. And it's better you as the owner to, to show that confidence to kind of move it along, but also make mistakes yourself. To your point, I think it will help in, inspire. The team to know, hey, even the boss doesn't have all the right answers, right? Even the boss makes mistakes. That's okay.
0: Well, you go back to your young kids and the the early days when they did something wrong and owning up to it. It it it's a mistake, and it's okay to make a mistake. And you counsel them early, and as they get older, the the let's say the the stakes get a little bit higher. So now it becomes difficult to strangers or people you don't know well to admit right. to a mistake. We don't like to do that for fear of embarrassment where yet everyone who we're talking to has made mistakes themselves. Alright,
1: <laughs> right. Right, so let's make sure the message is clear to our folks out there. We aren't saying go out and just start screwing stuff up on purpose. If you start <laughs> keep doing that, that people aren't going to be around you either. That's the polar opposite of the one who's always right all the time, right? But so, hey, you don't, don't give it this guy. It's totally going to be tanked for sure.
0: That's it's, right.
1: Don't don't use that fear of making a mistake to keep you from doing what you're trying to do
0: in terms of, you know, achieving your goals That's so. the message. That's the big message. Alright, that's
1: good. I like that. That's a very good, that's a very good, very deep, deep with deep thoughts of Jack here, right? That's good. All right. So uh, stick around. When we come back, we're going to be uh, sharing our small business success story of the week. I'm Adam Sonhalter.
0: And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. As we've told you a number of times, we're business coaches. We can help you get unstuck from all those how questions in your business. And I know you have a lot of them. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter.
0: And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches who help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. And you have many states of how during your your normal day and weekends. Don't wrestle with all those how questions on your own. We can help you. We really can. We love helping small business owners get unstuck.
1: If you're looking for some of that help, feel free to reach out to us anytime, day, or night at 877 849 0670. You can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com and check out our website at MaximumVP.com. We're also on Facebook, Facebook uh, forward slash MaximumVP. Uh, All right, so this is a portion of our, of our show where we'd like to share a small business success story of a client of MVPs we've had here over the last 15 years. And a couple things. One is I just want to reemphasize. We talk about small business. We're talking about anywhere from one to 25 employees. And part of the story I'm going to share today happens to be with a a company that started with one employee that we helped out. And we also like to talk about the different uh, seven keys that we talk about that that, that we coach our clients on, the seven keys to success. I mentioned before, if you head to our website, you can see it there under MaximumVP.com. There's a, a, what do you call it, a menu item for the MVP playbook. Correct. Correct. All right, there Excellent. you have the seven keys to success. Nice little visual to see. And the three that, that will be key to our story today is the marketing plan, presenting, and leadership. So marketing plan is the third one, presenting is number seven, and leadership is number five. We have them listed out that way, but they're all they're all intertwined. So the story I want to share today, like I mentioned, it, it's, it happens to be a one person when we first met this person. And this was a, a, a guy we met probably, it's been probably seven years ago now. And for him, the situation was, for the third time in his career, the uh, technology company he was working for got gobbled up by somebody else, It was bought and purchased. And the, the prior times he'd done that, he'd gone back back to an early stage company and kind of joined up and kind of gone. And he was at the point where he said, hey, you know, I'm done with all this of so kind of joining somebody else and we grow and do well, then we get gobbled up and become part of this big company. So I want to get out of this big company and go out and start my own my own thing. And what was interesting about this guy and why he was so memorable the first time I met him, he said, look, I said, I'm trying to decide between starting a software company and keep my. mind he's working for a software this company at that point. This
0: is good. Yeah, this is good.
1: My other option is I'm looking at it to open up a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> I said okay. Now this software. guy,
0: this guy had deep IT credentials too. So. Right,
1: but he had a deep love for, <laughs> for 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 cooking and barbecue and everything else too. Right, That's right. And He couldn't find a good barbecue restaurant, you know, at that time in the you know, in the area. So again, so this guy was very very memorable from that standpoint. I said, hey, you're sounding like a perfect guy for us to try to help kind of figure out what you're what you're trying to do. So. As he met and started working with them, you know, there's a couple of fronts. One was to help him and be a good sounding board for him, as he was working his way to exit his current company. That this big, big company that had bought his prior prior company and then figuring out which way to go. right? Was it the software company or the barbecue restaurant? So we helped pretty quickly to help get that narrowed down to more of the software company, given his background, what he was looking to do, and to have more of a hobby standpoint that he was going to be dealing with the barbecue stuff. And he had gone and he had a couple different trips on that, which are, which are <laughs> aside to this story. But uh, um, we're, we're trying to do it where this became very helpful. When you're trying to start something up, one of the most difficult things to do is when we look at the, the the business is is the marketing plan of this, you know, from a standpoint of developing a product. Again, Jack and I talk about it all the time. I mean, our clients are experts at their product or service. They aren't bringing us in to help from that standpoint. So this guy wasn't bringing us in as IT or software experts. No, not at all. That's right. So yeah. when he was talking about what his tool could do, we had full faith and confidence that it could do. He would show us some different demonstrations of how it was used and how it had been used before. So okay, this seems to work and seems to make sense. So Our question is always, okay, well. That's a neat little tool, but can it? Can you? Can you? Can you sell it? All right. First of all, we but we we don't start there. We start with can you give it away? Can you can you give it to somebody that somebody would find value in this? Now that that may sound silly to, to, to many of you listening, but think about how, how pure and simple that is. If you can't give it to somebody to use, it's got absolutely no no value at all, That's right? Right. All right. That's but right. if you can give it to people, then the question is: Okay, then. Okay, now can I charge somebody for this? Right. All right, so we, we spent the better part of a year helping him with the marketing research here, where we helped to guide him through it in terms of trying to figure out who would find this value. So we talking about the marketing you know, plan or the market research was, let's figure out who could use this tool. So he went from everywhere from individuals to small companies to Fortune 500 companies to try to get, you know, we helped him get audiences of those people. He used his network of people to, to sit down with some of these people to see, hey,
0: here's what I've got. This was artificial intelligence and stuff yeah. uh, in, in the deep... Uh recesses of, of the IT world here. It was probably kind of the, that's of the earlier
1: stages of this whole concept of, of big data coming out right. there, right, in the, right. Here in the last decade or so. We're taking a bunch of information that, yeah, eventually, if you had enough people over enough time looking at stuff, you might find some of these patterns, but the idea was taking a bunch of information in and be able to filter through to kind of show this thing. So between the marketing plan of looking to that, the presenting skills of, of being able to be, be aware of what was kind of going on in terms of how to present what value this product would bring to these people, right, and even happenstances. You know, he was on a flight back from a from a from a uh, a fraternity thing that, that he, he was talking to a, to to an oh, owner of a company. It just happened right. to, oh, to sit next out. to him, right? Um, anyway, so for the better part of a year, trying to figure out ways to, to find where this was you know, was useful. Trying to again, trying to give it away to people. Try it out, see see what value this can bring. Not without, without charging a dollar one for it. And after about a year of banging his head against the the the, the, the wall. He had an epiphany. He had another product that he had developed years ago that he developed in order to help his fraternity organize stuff. It actually, was actually it helped to, to, to be part of a radio station he was part of, too, that was trying to you know, do an annual fundraiser. And so he had, he had given it to the, to the radio station to use it for the fundraiser. He would given it to his fraternity to use it to help raise funds and, to, and organize it, you know, their, annual, their annual event. He said, well, hey, I have something here that's working that people see value in. I wonder if I could use this thing and this could be really my software company to start with so
0: often the trail that these things take isn't it yeah you start you start putting thoughts in people's heads and all of a sudden their world opens up with things otherwise right under their nose right on
1: and I think for him that key part of was we kept on hammering his head about if he can give it away which he had done here and people had seen tremendous value in it within I kid you not within two months he had his first client now with this with, with this fundraising software not only that he had gone to get funding from a handful of funding sources of grant making organizations uh he even got you know, involved with the uh, an organization run by dan gilbert called bisdom here in cleveland dan gilbert and he Who's was one he? of the first first oh, guys yeah. to be funded by them right and uh you know, so he'd, he'd raised quite a bit of money you know, with with a lot of people here locally to help grow his company and within a couple more years he had brought on he had a staff of about four people to help kind of grow and, and continue to grow through you know raising money <laughs> And in the in the in the great story of things here, the original tool that he had, you know, this this data, this big data data, you know, gathering tool to try to see information from, he started to now add that in to plug it in to his fundraising software. To help his clients there start to see more information on what was going on from the fundraising standpoint. So it wasn't totally lost the whole time and effort he spent on, on this other tool. Usually usually created.
0: those things aren't. You know, you, you connect them in different ways when you when you, you know, have a, a discussion along the time with it and the ways that we provide those discussions.
1: Yeah, so it was, it was fantastic to be able to kind of see that. So, you know, it was kind of a, you know, you could see him smiling ear to ear when, when he talked about how that kind of come around. It's, it's like you, know, you said, Jack, certain things you can't see. Um, but for this guy, again, keep these things in mind. You know, a couple of things is, you know, often the answer is right underneath your nose. Like for him, it was this, this other software he'd, he'd use for you know, for for fundraising. Don't ignore the fact that you can give stuff away. If you can give it away, there's some value there. If you can't give it away, it's hard to make, hard to make a case for stuff, right? That's right. And you need to be able to explain the, 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 the value or the benefits of what your product or service does. If you can't do that and do that well, people aren't going to be willing to take the jump in order to kind of try that thing out. So it's very key to be able to kinda of do that. And so if if your initial thought isn't necessarily working, let it evolve into something else, but keep grinding it out, which is what this guy did and had had some very very it's very, it's very
0: hard to do that by yourself. You know, marketing isn't marketing can become very complex. Very complex. Yes. But it doesn't have to be.
1: All right. So that's our story for this week. And we want to thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We invite you to tune in every Monday at noon. If you have questions before our next show, you can email them at radio at maximumvp.com, post at facebook.com forward slash maximumvp, or call us at 877-849-0670.
0: At Maximum Value Partners, we work hard to build long-term relationships and and become not only your valued advisors, but also your trusted friends. If you're looking to be a successful, knowledgeable business owner and to take your company anywhere you want to go, Hey, give us a call. Honestly, we can help.
1: In case you missed a part of this show or any of our prior shows, you can listen to them, either going to iTunes and get our podcast, and be sure to leave a review there for So you can go to wintradio.com and go to the archive program sections and, and do it there, and you can listen to your mobile device at tunein.com.